morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink here with Ted Chilowitz. It's This Week in XR, July 27th, 2022. Good morning, Ted. Morning, Charlie. How was your week? Uh, it went quickly, although I'm not quite sure why or what I did. It's uh, it's actually <laughs> been cool in California compared to the rest of the country, indeed the rest of the world. Everybody yeah. seems to be sweltering and trying to stay cool. Well, I had some, uh, you know, cool in San Diego for Comic-Con, which was fun. And then I was actually in New York all this week, um, which was uh, blazingly hot. So I experienced the heat wave that a lot of the uh, yeah. the East Coasters were experiencing, um, which uh, meant we were largely inside. But, you know, it was okay. So uh, our guest this week is uh, Marcy, our friend Marcy Jastro, who friend was last yes. on our show in December of 2020. So that sounds like a long time ago. We've been doing yeah, this she's for a doing while. different things now. So we're going to learn what. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, uh, she's doing some the head of or head advisor to the Shiba Inu metaverse. So we're going to uh, get a look at what they're uh, doing, uh, and uh, and and of course uh, in the news this week, also as Board Ape Yacht Club is uh, also developing Otherworld quickly. Mm -hmm. It looks like mm -hmm. so uh, interesting developments. I got to. Uh, Stop before we get started. Let me jump in and do our uh, uh, thank you to our sponsor, Zapper. Um, they're the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. If you've got an AR project in mind, they're the team to deliver it with over 11 years experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio, their award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks and Zapbox the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. That's right, Magic Leap for super cheap. So uh, check them out at zapper.com. So uh, with that out of the way, also uh, ongoing thanks to Berbella. Uh, although they are being displaced at the top of leaderboard by Zapper, it does not mean that we love them any less. So uh, moving on to the news this week, um, you know, it would have been a slow news week, except Meta cannot help themselves. They just have to make news all week long. They're a big entity, so they make news oh. whether they want to or not, Charlie. That's I mean, you could yeah. not make this stuff up. First of all, I mean, I, I, I won't add to the um, the clamor and schadenfreude over, uh, schadenfreude, I guess, over their horrible earnings report, but they yeah. were not alone. So anybody selling advertising right now. Uh, is is about to take a whooping, uh, but uh, they also got. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. They're getting blocked by the government from acquiring the exercise app made by Within called Supernatural. Yeah. So uh, you know, for, for anti-competitive reasons. I mean, what the hell? That's where they're drawing the line. Yeah. Well, we're we're really close with Chris Milk and and watched his arc from you know uh, artistic genius and and early. Yes early adopter and believer in virtual reality and taking experiences to Sundance and showing us the way, yeah. uh, trying lots of different things that weren't commercially successful, and then eventually find something that is very commercially successful in VR, uh, a successful arc, and sort of going down the way of Beat Saber, where at that point it was Facebook, decided to, to yeah. acquire Beat Saber for a, a pretty large multiple of, of what yeah. they're earning. Because it was a pretty good deal for the for the founders, I think. Yeah, two guys from the Czech Republic, you know, hit it big. Within uh, Within has a great story, and and Chris is a, you know, as you said, a pioneer, really, uh, in in trying to find a commercial path forward for VR entertainment. Yeah. Um. So I I was very happy for him and for this deal, and I don't 
Do, is it anti-competitive? I mean, uh, I mean, why? I mean, I can see like, okay, well, you can't buy Instagram because they're a substantial candidate to grow into a major competitor. In fact, they might have overtaken Facebook. The, the question is why? Why is this different than the Beat Saber acquisition or any acquisition, or, or any of the other four other developers that they bought in the past eighteen months, or Google picking up Tilt Brush uh, now a, a VR generation ago, right, a few yeah. years back, and hmm. like uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, I have an answer for that. I don't, I don't know why they picked this one in particular. I, uh, I, I don't, on. I don't get it. I mean, I, I, I agree. Facebook needs to be regulated. Um, this is not going to do anything about that. No, I don't. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's the social media is the problem. The problem is not their acquisition of uh, Supernatural. Great story though, within great story, Chris Milk, uh, and I hope they don't mess this up for him. Although I, I imagine they their alternative is is to uh, to try and build it into a standalone substantial business, which I which, think which is, they already have, which is why Meta wants them, right? Yeah. Because it's it's become a category that's meaningful. Yeah. Uh, and they and they just like any business, you you try and pick up things that you think are going to add to your portfolio, right? Um, of success. Uh, so, and I go back to Beat Saber. It's why they bought Beat Saber. It's the most successful app. VR so they, they raised the price of their headset 25% this week. Did you hear yeah, that? Yeah, what do you think? I'm curious what you think about that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you want a VR headset, it's like if you want a game console, mm -hmm. um, uh, do you care if it's $399 or $499? I think you've made the purchase decision when you said, I'm going to get a game console. You weren't waiting to see them drop $100 in price. Yeah. I, I just, I don't. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong. I, I don't have any hard numbers to back this up, but it doesn't seem to me they're underwrite. I mean, they're losing money on every ad set, which is exactly what Microsoft did when they launched the Xbox. Of course. Uh, and uh, and Sony, when they launched PlayStation, in fact, uh, was a money loser for them. They had invest billions. Uh, so I don't think it's a bad idea for them to stop supporting it, especially when the newer headsets from their competitors are all going to be more expensive. Yeah, I think if you study it again through the lens of a large, mature company, which often flies in the face of what Facebook feels like to us or Meta feels like to us, there is a CFO in that company. There are there are people that look at actuary charts and financials yeah. and look at, okay, we've sold this many headsets at, at this price. We felt like we've successfully seeded the market. Now let's look at our numbers. You know, they're, they're looking at an entire financial portfolio and picture. And well, maybe we can make a little more if we just do a, a kind of a close to a break even on the headsets, as opposed to losing a hundred or $2 on each one. Uh, and they'll test the market that way and see if yeah. they can grow it. Plus remember, they've got another high-end headset on the right. way. So right? now they've got a, a $900 headset or a thousand dollar headset. The Apple headset's going to be 2000 something dollars. Probably. So, so raising the price of the base model, to four hundred dollars doesn't seem to me to be a terrible idea. Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, yeah. So, <clears throat> okay, here's another one that is very thorny. I mean, all this stuff comes up with them every single week. They added an eighteen and eight and up tag to Horizon Worlds. Yeah, which um, is how like, is that going to uh, stop PG anybody? Thirteen, right? I mean, it's it's not going to keep anybody out of a movie. Yeah. So, and if I'm thirteen, man, I want to go to the. <laughs> you know, I want to go to the adult places. So I just don't see what this does, but it does bring up the enormous moderation problem that they have with Horizon. 
Yeah, and ultimately, it, it's the practicality of how are you going to actually enforce that and restrict that. Look, there's the same issue with streaming across the board now, right? I mean, movies was a thing when it was an R-rated movie. You had to really try and sneak into the movie right. because there's a physical barrier. <laughs> like right? 1974. Right. But with streaming, you know, it's really what it what it really comes down to is parental control, right? Is the parents need to be actively involved in watching what their kids are doing and setting up those restrictions. Which I, very I cannot believe that there is a parent on this earth who would there be okay with right. their 10 year old hanging out with strange adults, completely unsupervised. Right. And, and there are a few strange adults that, who are uh, uniquely unaccountable for anything they might do. Right. But there are a few parents. Insane. There are a few parents that will go the extra mile to, to, you know, from a streaming standpoint and actually build you know, protections in, but how do you do that in VR if the parents aren't really even using VR and don't even know how to log into that headset, right? I, I just, I don't know why Facebook is not, or Meta isn't tackling that one head on. I think it's going to end very badly. And I think uh, this is kind of a distractifying move that doesn't get at really what's going on here. And I think if more people were, uh, I mean, I just, I think Meta is ignoring this at its peril. Um, yeah, I would think I, just, I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't envy their dilemma. Uh, it hasn't turned out to be that big of a problem on places like Second Life, but this is, you know, yeah. much bigger than than Second Life and, and uh, much more accessible. So I just well, I don't know. I would think that the, the practical way to solve this problem is that if you're a parent and you're buying VR for your young teenager, then as you open the box, there should be a, do you want to set up a password protected area for you as an adult and for your kid's account, which is restricted, meaning you can't get to these areas with that password, right? With that login. Um, and the parent would set up the account for the child. And that's probably the practical way to do it. Just putting a, a, a notification isn't going to do anything. Yeah. I don't, I don't know as a parent or as a, in my case, a grandparent, uh, I, you know, I don't know what to tell my kids, you know, don't put, don't let them do VR, I guess. Well, uh, just be careful where you go, right? I mean, I mean holy crap. Personal responsibility. Thing. I just, you know, I would not have want my kids, wanted my kids to be in that position, but my, <clears throat> but I'm a fogey now. So, uh, okay. That let's, let's uh, talk about um, uh, something other than meta. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about um, Pico. Yeah. Uh, updated headset, probably mm -hmm. over a thousand dollars, but they are planning to launch uh, in the U.S. later this year. Right. So this is potentially the first viable competition for the Quest, right? Yes. Same rough price point, same general feature set, and a um, lot of the same software. Apparently, yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of same so, games and titles, and oh. yeah. So I think you know what what the the overall market would say is competition is good. It will help drive the market. It is you know we have. We have Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo Switch. And, you know, eventually you're going to want two or three or four uh, viable competitors in VR at roughly the same price point and feature set for customers to choose where they want to be. And I think that's a that's a good thing. And it helps innovate. And, uh, oh, you know what I should have opened the show with? I found this gem from John Ehrlichman on uh, the Twitter. 22 years ago, Palm was worth more than Oh, yes. Apple you saw that. You sent that over to Amazon yeah. combined. <laughs> right. This is to put things in perspective. Yeah. Let me see if I have my, uh, for those watching visually, um, here it is. You know, I have my little museum of fun in here. There's my, uh, there's my palm trio. Oh my gosh. Right. Right. Uh, 
Ted, so, you know, I think you could tell a lot about man's personality and also the level of room he has in his house. Pretty cool. Which gadgets he has kept. Yeah, because this, this was this was really iconic for the time, you know. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, I remember when I would take a business trip in like 1994. I had my giant 15 pound laptop. Yeah. I had my Palm. I had my mobile phone, which yep. was for making phone calls, and uh, and then I had a camera. Right. Well, I was really ahead of the curve when I was traveling a lot early, early in my career, because I was one of the ones that first got very first access to the the uh, the Apple Duo Dock system. So I had a color 270C Duo Dock, which I still have somewhere in my little museum of fun here. Um, and people would tap me on the shoulder on the plane going, excuse me, is that a color screen? Is that an actual <laughs> like computer? Because it was, you know, oddly enough, going back 35 years ago, it wasn't that much bigger than the laptops we use today. It was kind of remarkable for its time. So, so um, uh, one last parting shot. I see Marcy is in the, uh, the green room. So, so, so let's bring her in quickly. But, you know, what happens when you have a play to earn crypto game mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and crypto crashes and your currency, let's say uh, smooth love potion uh, is worth half a penny? Yeah. I mean, well, who wants to earn that? I mean, do you, do you see, you know, we talk a lot about the ease of build, uh, allowing a lot of things to blossom very quickly and then fade away very quickly, right? So we're in, a, we're in a really interesting time where a lot of people can build a lot of stuff. And clearly, like, the, pre, the precursor to that is YouTube, right? There's some crazy statistic about well over 400 hours of material are posted every minute to YouTube, right? So the amount of content, because the ease of ability to create it is overwhelming. We're entering that phase with interactive content now too. And then you put this interesting layer of crypto, which of course blockchain, we all believe is going to be the way that commerce will run in the future um, and is starting to prove itself out. But the layers on top of that will largely just go away. There'll be a few winners, but mostly losers, right? Just like the 400 hours of content a minute that get posted yeah, on YouTube. Yeah, but I mean, it was... I think the story here is that that you know eight months ago they were worth three billion dollars. Yeah, riding high, right? And this is yeah, just—I mean, big, that's like a pretty dramatic turnaround. Yeah, and there's tons of companies like that that had billion-dollar valuations that are worth almost nothing now. So I, I I bring it up because we have our friend Marcy Jastro coming in, yeah. and uh, she is working with Shiba Inu, so maybe she'll uh, help give us some. Uh, yeah, I'm sure she has insight. a perspective on it, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's bring Marcy in. Here she comes. You know, I think I've, I I met Marcy when I first started covering XR. Um, when she Marcy, I'm telling the story of how, first of all, welcome, good to see you. I'm telling the story about how I first met you. God, uh, when I uh, it, when when I first started covering uh, VR and AR, the first thing people said to me is, "You have to talk to Marcy Jastro. Marcy Jastro knows everyone and everything." You have to meet Marcy. And when I finally did, after like a year of missing her every time I came to town and every, and when I did, it was like, oh my God, she's my sister from another mother. <laughs> and as, and of course, Marcy and I, you know, have lived many a life together and continue to live many a life together as we sort of move through our journeys of what technology means. Um, but Marcy was one of the, the cutting edge, right? You, well, you, Ted, Ted, 
it's because of you that I even got in the middle of this. It's stuff. A little bit, yeah. I have to take <laughs> the blame and the honor of you saying, "All right, I'm interested in this." Uh, you, me, Ted Galliano, David Greenbaum, a few other super early adopters that really started to drive some of this stuff into the large traditional entertainment companies. And you were intrigued just like we were. And we started on this road, which was, well, you should tell the story. It was fascinating. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, you know, during that time, I always say that I traveled the world on VR and XR because it was such an exciting time. And yet it was also one of those times where you're like, okay, where's this going to go? And so it's just getting on that train and allowing you to get off on all the stops to see what was going to work, what wasn't working. And I think for me, because at heart, I'm a salesperson, right? So I'm a deal closer. And so at the very end of the journey, at least at Technicolor, um, I really felt like I couldn't sell anything. Like there was nothing to right. really, like how do you convince a brand or how do you convince a company to spend over a million dollars on a wing and a prayer without getting any eyeballs? And so I think I got super disheartened um, when I left because, well, I, I never really left, but when um, I decided to leave Technicolor, and go look at other and pursue other things. Yeah. And um, for me, it wasn't about that I didn't believe in the technology. I full-heartedly believed in it. Um, but I just, I, I, I needed that shot, right? I needed that adrenaline rush. And I don't think I was getting that from yeah. not being able to sell it. So when you came, when you came to see us in December, 2020, you were on the show with us, you were working with Evercast then, right? Correct. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that was, I mean, you had a pretty good ride with them for two years, right? And they really blew up in the pandemic. Yeah. And I'm still with them. Um, I still advise them. I'm still, look, when you're in the entertainment industry and you know, Ted knows this. I mean, when you're launching a product, it's about getting as many people in the entertainment and media industry, both creative and studio backing. And we were super fortunate because of Roger Barton that um, this platform, which allows you to remotely um, collaborate on video content with low latency. And so at the very beginning of the pandemic, well, actually I joined in 2019 um, and really it was just about trying to figure out it's a nice to have product. You don't need it at that point. And then as the pandemic started getting super interesting, um, it became a must have else people were not going to get their content out. But you know what I learned on that journey? I learned a lot about startup. I had never been in a startup, you know, at least not in not since I was 21 years old. Um, and the dynamics around what drives people as a founder to be a founder, um, the heartaches of the ups and the downs. Yeah, we had a great ride. We grew 1400%. We started with 15 users and ended with, you know, people, 5,000 people logging into our platform every day. But I did my work, right? I did my job at that point. I was... And, you know, I get bored pretty easily. And that's a problem for me. Well, it's because you're a builder, right? So you built it. it 
Exactly. The level of attention. Right. And then it's time to move on. And right. now we should talk about what. Yeah, what a great segue that is. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah it is. This is. It, I mean, XR stories are really fascinating, but this one is truly made up of the universe, made up of um, you know where do I want to go in my life? What do I really want to do? And that's kind of how the the whole metaverse thing happened. I was, so it all started, I was, it was about uh, January, February, Amy Peck, who is a friend of all of ours. Yep. Um, we were um, spending some time together and we were talking about the metaverse and how so many people are globbing onto this name, the metaverse, the metaverse. And I was making fun of it, quite frankly. I was, I was like, how do you build a metaverse? What is a metaverse? You can't have one metaverse. I mean, we were just having this kind of conversation. And I started thinking about what Ted, you and I, and Ted Galliano did with Mars and how that was a community-driven project. And the only way that the Mars HP project worked was because you had a lot of community around you. So then I started thinking about metaverses and I said to Amy, I think we ought to do a talk at AWE on world building. Of course, as you know, Amy ended up not showing up and I had to moderate that panel. But in my mind, I was thinking, what is gonna make up a great metaverse? And then, I started watching the NFT drops and I started looking at blockchain and I started looking at cryptocurrency and I was like, you know what I want to do? I want to, and I, I literally threw it out to the universe, flipped my LinkedIn and said, I want to get involved with a cryptocurrency company that's doing NFT drops and wants to build a metaverse. And I kid you not, I said that out loud. And three days later, a woman named Sherry Kuno who um, worked with my husband on the first worldwide web casino 25 years ago, um, called me. And we had talked, you know, over, you know, through many years, we've talked and she's an incredible technologist. And she said to me, I have an opportunity for you. And I was, you know, probably not in the best headspace at the time. And I said, yeah, well, what's the opportunity? And she said, I can't tell you, you have to sign this NDA. Anytime someone says that to me, I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Um, anyway, it, it was the, the Shiba opportunity. And she's like, I'm gonna do all the back end of the technology. I really need someone like you to understand how to build it. What are the best studios? Will you come aboard? met with the team and you have to remember it's still really nascent and a lot of these people are anons you know you don't know who they are and so and and i'm a pretty conservative person so for me that was already bizarre right um so marcy let's take a pause you should back up a step for the listeners and explain what shiba inu is what it does how it differentiates from other cryptocurrencies what its value points are give them a sense of it yeah. and why you were so intrigued by it to sort of dive into the deep end of the pool again and, and help them how to <laughs> I know. present themselves um, to the world so here's the thing i am not a cryptocurrency expert by any stretch of imagination in fact i learn every day um but it's a meme coin and in back in 2020 um they launched the coin part of the the coin was given to the 
person who created Ethereum and he took those coins and then moved it over to India. And it was the coin that actually got the vaccination started um, in India when they were having such a hard time with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So it was the white paper on the meme coin was um, from Ryoshi's vision. And the white paper is essentially about a community, a community that backs something in order for everybody to profit and for everybody to have a stake in being able to control what the future of their life looks like. And so because of that rally behind the coin, many people, it is in the top cryptos in today's market, It's been tracking beautifully, even through the downturn. Um, But it's not just about the coin. It's about the community. It's literally, you tweet one thing out to this community and you've got 2,000 retweets and 2,000 likes. And they are so invested in this metaverse that when I look at a metaverse, what do you need in order for it to thrive? Well, you need currency. You need some way to monetize it. You need great high-end content so that you can actually um, feel immersed. And you you need the community to back it. And I really felt like if I was going to do this, it needed to have a community that was rallying around this idea of a metaverse. Right. So it's... so. In the in the world of you know the crypto communities, there's a sense of this thing called the decentralized organization right. that allows group ownership and group uh, sort of desire to how they control the organization by right. kind of a an, an open forum, as it were, and people can contribute. It's a little it's it's hard to kind of wrap your head around it. It's super hard, especially when you're trying to build something, right? Because it's not just your ideas, it's everybody's ideas. Mm -hmm. And so how do you pick whose are the best ideas, right? right? And how do you become very democratic in that thinking? And how do you involve the community in a way where you're not giving everything up because you want some ability to surprise them? Um, so that's the challenge, quite honestly, is, you know, we have Shitoshi, who is the pseudo leader of the Shiba coins um, and of all of the projects that we have. Um, but he by no means ever forces you to do something. It is always a conversation, which I think I like a lot more than some guy up at the top who thinks he knows what he's doing. It's a it's a collective conversation. So explain what you're doing for the organization within that DAO structure. What what is your gig? What what is what are you achieving? Yeah. So um I was brought on to um, help design and create the actual metaverse. Um, What that means, they had done a land sale, sold quite a few plots of land, um, based a lot of it off of, you know, what Decentraland was doing, what Sandbox was doing. Um, And so there was already land sold. So now it's like, okay, now we've got all this land sold. How do we build around the land? And by the way, was the methodology of the way that they were thinking about the plots the proper way, right? Because it's, you know, it's, you're, it's, it's, it's just fascinating to look at the map and, and how um, people bought and where they bought. Um, so my first task was to find a studio 
to find a very well-known studio that could pre-visualize the look and feel. Because remember, I have to share everything to the community um, and I have to show everything to the community. So that was the first thing. Thank God I got lucky and third floor agreed to come on board. Why the third floor? I'm sure people would ask that question. Why would you choose the third floor? Well, I chose the third floor because I truly believe that people who work in the entertainment industry have a different skill set than most. And it's not that I have a problem with gaming companies. I love them. They're great. But when you're developing something, it's super easy to push deadlines because you're developing something, right? But if I, when I was making films and TV shows and working as a service provider for that, we never hit, we, we never missed deadlines. Can you imagine if I would have said to Ted Galliano, hey, I know you want to make Avatar day and date, but it's just not going to work. And so I really felt like we needed the, the entertainment sort of mentality and the pre-visualization side of it. And, and a lot of things that happen in these studios in the entertainment industry is there are some super talented people that never get to tell their creative story behind what they would do. And so I really felt like the third floor would help to bring legs to this. Yeah, and for, for those that don't know, the third floor is, from what my knowledge is, and I know them quite well, uh, they are the world's largest pre-visualization company for movies and television shows. So they do all the Marvel movies. They do all the Fox stuff. They do a lot of the Disney stuff. They, they're, they, they basically work with the directors to create the visualizations of what those big action scenes will look like with game engines now. Um, and then those, and that's the key point. And that's the key point. I needed to find a company that did this every day. Right. That did this every day for high end visual content and to be able to iterate on those models as we were, you know, flying the plane as we were building it. So do the Shiba owners, the, the owners of the coin, do they get to watch this process in real time? Like, how does it and, and yeah. is there a way, even if you don't own the coin, because part of the DAO is that anybody can look at it, whether you have ownership or not. How do people look at, like, if, if I wanted, if you wanted to show me what is being worked on or the people that are listening to this podcast, how do they, how do they see what's up? How do they? Well, the Discord is a good way and Twitter. Right. Um, so we just named the studio two and a half weeks ago. Um, and lucky for us, they had a hole in their schedule and they were able to put resources to it. We've started seeing some very early. Um, so our, our processes, um, sketch, concept art in 2D, black and white, um, and then uh, get a bunch of different looks for these 11 different hubs in the environment. Each one will have its own distinct look. Each one will have its own distinct assets. Each one will have its own distinct feel, mood. Um, and so that's what we're in the process. These of doing are, right these now. are, this is, these are, when you say hubs, you're meaning 3D environments that we're navigating through like a video. Eventually. Right now it's just a flat piece of paper that says a bunch of names. Under, understood. But, but <laughs> the flat piece of paper is the first step on a long journey to creating a place, right. a home. Right. Our, a minimum viable product hopefully we'll have in 10 months that will, um, my hope is to have all 11 hubs 
Um, you may not be able to go into all 11 hubs, but to be able to see what each 11 hubs look like. Um, and so how do we get it out to the community? So we've just started getting these um, drawings in, these concepts of, and that's the beauty of this, right? It, 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 the, it, the creativity is ridiculous because there, there's nothing off the table. It can look, feel, and it's also not about only gamification. It's about a place, a feeling, a mood. Um, so we go into this process where we get, we bring on, bring on three conceptual artists who will all design their looks and feel. We will then throw out these design ideas out to the community. So we have a metaverse task force that manages a lot of the communications to the SHIB Army, that is what the community is called. And then as we start getting these drawings back and these feelings back, they will then go to the Metaverse Task Force and then the task force will present them to the community. And they will watch the iterate, iterations from 2D to 3D and it'll all be posted. That was the other interesting thing. When you normally hire a studio, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're doing post-production. I don't care if you're doing previs. A lot of these jobs are under wraps and the company that's doing the work never gets to tell anybody that they're working on it until after the fact. Right. Well, we're kind of flipping that on, that on the head and saying, no, 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 we're announcing the studio. We're bringing you into the process from the very beginning. And then they become a part of this invested feeling of what they're building. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, look, in, in the world of full disclosure, as you know, at very early stages, I bought a little of that coin because I buy these things more out of curiosity and not really a deep belief structure. Like a lot of people have a deep belief structure about the success curve of this. I am like a lot of people that have a unique curiosity about getting things really early when you're just talking about investing, you know, a few hundred to a few thousand dollars into something and seeing where it goes, because yeah. I've lived a number of generations through technology that I saw where the internet went and I saw where these early stage companies that were almost worthless at a period of time um, became the, the the sort of titans of, of the day. And yeah. now this whole next generation of the fact that the part of the goal set is there will not be just a few titans of tomorrow there will be this decentralized landscape where everyone can sort of access and use these things and benefit from them and we'll see what sort of what that means uh and you know and if it works right yeah, because i believe people innately want to be sort of told what to do so you've got leaders and you've got followers and you have passive people I believe that a lot of the re reasons why when uh, I'm going to get political for a minute, but a lot of the reasons why countries fail when they move to a democratic nation is because you've generationally lived in, in a world where there might have been a dictator telling you how, why to live this certain way. And um, it's generational, right? So now we're saying, hey, it's decentralized. Everybody gets to say something. But most people, I don't think, speak up. And so that's why this is fascinating to me, because 
the vocal ones tend to be the FUD, you know, the fear, uncertainty, doubt kind of people. And there's a, and trust me, there's a lot of them. Like I've never been bullied on the internet and I have been bullied as, you know, as of now. And it's, it's fat. And, but you know what? It's fascinating for me to watch it mm. um, and to, to be a, a party to that. Um, so I, I think that, you know, I, I think that people want a choice and they want to make the decisions, but I also think you need to lead them to a place where they understand what kind of decisions they're making. D does that sort yeah. of clarify? Because you're guiding them in a way where you can only get hurt so much. Yeah, I mean, a guidance is the right is the right sort of terminology, you know, and yeah. Democracies tend to lead to socialist tenants, which is where people get a little nervous because there's a lot of you know provability that capitalism is a workable dynamic and true socialism is not a workable dynamic. But there's a lot of provability of countries that would argue against that and say this is where That's socialism, right. this is where democracy actually is and where it really works, which is more leaning toward a socialist model, and others that would say this is where democracy really works and leads to a more capitalist model. Now, today, it's certainly in the West, in the United States, with the big tech giants that we function with every day, they are hyper-capitalistic, right? They are profit-driven for their shareholders uh, and do not share things well. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting when you're talking about this, because like at Comic-Con, when I was last week, they were promoting Legion M, which is kind of a, a decentralized conceptual idea of an entertainment company where you hmm, buy interesting. a little bit of the stock and share in the company and you have a say in what gets made. So that's kind well, of- That's like a GoFundMe's in the early days of GoFundMe. Very similar, right? And All these very similar. And, and, and that's also what makes the Sheba organization a little different. It's not just about the coin. It's about the utility around the coin. It's about the different ways you can monetize to keep the community and the organizations running. We have so many projects out there and the community also creates their own projects. Some are sanctioned, some are not. And um, I, I, I think it's gonna be a fascinating next three years to see how this transpires and grows. And, so, and yeah. So here's my last question. You may not be the right, one to answer this, but there was a lot of discussion about Shibu being the new Dogecoin, right? Like mm -hmm. the, the new and improved better ethics Dogecoin. Um, and, you know, again, I bought some Dogecoin really early on because I was like, well, this is fascinating. And there's a weird entertainment layer of the nonsense that sort of That's goes right. along with all this. Uh -huh. so I'm curious if you, it, like within your learnings and your discussions with the founders of this and the people that are very active in the community, how do they differentiate between what the they Dogecoin don't. world is versus the Shiba. They don't. So don't. it's 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 super it's super focused only on what our initiatives they don't make are. reference to this is what the never other no I mean not to me um, maybe the developers who are creating new cool things are mm -hmm. um, as a as a way to make the coin um, have more utility but ultimately the coin is just I, I like to say the coin is the symbol and all of the rest are the projects. And you buying into the coin is buying into a community that is one of the largest communities of cryptocurrency. We're in the top 10 cryptocurrencies. And now once you have a coin, you then need to start creating the community in a way where they can use the coin, they can use the marketplace, they can really grow it. So it's, in, 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 in the early days of VR, we used to say there is no um, competitors. 
It was the, the only time you really were in a business where you didn't, you weren't afraid of what you were showing because it was so early days. I kind of feel like this is the same thing in the sense that you're, you're, the the competition is interesting, but I don't think we look at it that way. So, so Charlie, you've been quieter than normal. I think you're absorbing and listening. <laughs> what, what do you think about all this? And maybe what do your students think about this? Do you ever have conversations with your students at Chapman about uh, this? Business? No, no, I don't he think I've nuts. had any. I don't think I've had any <laughs> board apes or uh, Shibu Inu members. Uh, you know, they're still at the stage of like, what is Web3? What is going right. on here? Um, it, it's interesting. One thing we didn't talk about in the news segment is, you know, Price Waterhouse just did a big consumer sentiment yeah. thing on the metaverse. And, and a lot of people and, don't know what's going yeah, on. Yeah, it's a, only 30% of the people out there even know the word metaverse. And and most of the people think it has something to do maybe with VR or fashion. Yeah, or yeah. NFT. And so it's really early. I mean, they're not as, as we say, it's really early going. <laughs> For, uh, for all this stuff. So uh, I, I'm interested, as Marcy says, uh, you know, let's see what happens over the next three years. It's gonna be an interesting story that's mm -hmm. developing right in front of us. I'm always skeptical of DAOs. I'm not sure that, that that's really the way humans make things mm -hmm. and make decisions. Um, it's a new model. So again, let's see um, how it turns out. Uh, I do also admire your adventurism, uh, Ted. Uh, you know, the, a sure sign of the uh, coin success is that I don't own any. Yeah, because well, you if know, I were to purchase some, I promise you it would tank. Well, you know what was super funny, just, and I know we're closing up, but yeah. what was super interesting when I made the announcement that I was doing this, the people that actually... I knew that owned the coin was insane to me. Like one of my best <laughs> friends from childhood called me up and he was, because he tracks the coin. He's like, oh my God, I have so much of this coin. And I'm like, and I, by the way, knew nothing of the coin. So I've had to do a quick amount of learning. So, you know, the other thing I'm, I'm interested in <clears throat> is uh, I'm very interested to see the creative take and the, your your community's reaction to it, Me um, too. because this is again where you know I want Steven Spielberg to be the curator. I don't want the curator to be, you know, five thousand community members, board apes, shivas, whatever you yeah. you call them. So um, it'll be interesting to see if that consensus, that crowd consensus, you know, how it affects the process and and the ultimate final product, and whether that ended up being the same superior is going to have a different dynamic. I think you're right, Charlie. I think all of us are looking, guys like you and me are looking for something to stand out from the crowd to actually make impact. And what we see over and over again with these large kind of community driven things is a dullness to them. They all sort of look the same. They all sort we'll of- We'll see. I mean, uh, you know, Board Apes just did a test of Otherworld. I guess there's not a lot of there there yet, but they got 4,500 simultaneous unique. So that's um, pretty impressive. And- uh, very metaversy. So, yeah. you know, uh, again, I, I, you know, the metaverse is not going to appear to us like a shimmer and we're going to walk <laughs> into it. It's going to be all these tiny little pieces, um, you know, that eventually start coalescing uh, as media always does.
Well, uh, and you also have to make sure that you're not just building for one group of people. You have to be able to be mobile. You have to be able to have web. You need to be able to have eventually VR or some sort of XR component. You know, I think that there's a broad consensus that it has to be browser-based. Whatever mm -hmm. uh, device you're wearing or looking through is, is you know, going to be a personal and probably also a financial choice. So, exactly. You know, and, and also as as we've seen with with games like Rec Room, people who do it with a VR headset are going to be commuting and doing it on their phone or going back and forth on a game console. So, you know, you need in these you know to have the largest possible audience. Again, I look at Rec Room and say these guys were were VR first, but when they were VR only, um, you know, they were hitting a wall. Yeah, and then they yeah. opened it up to game consoles and um, mobile devices, and they exploded their unicorn. Now, as we like to say, these are unusual times, and unusual times lead to unusual outcomes. So, yeah. <laughs> so true. Yeah. And that is a yeah. great place, great place to end. Um, we'll we'll see you again soon, Marcy. I can't uh, wait to to see how this experiment well, unfolds. Yeah, next time I'll bring in some uh, yeah, show visuals and, and we'll Great. talk about the visuals, okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna look for those on the Twitter. Uh, thanks everybody. Bye we will, everyone. We will Good see you next you. week.